Welcome to the Um Yeah Sports Podcast with John and Chris, where it's unapologetically just about the sports. We're glad you joined us. Let's jump right in. It is the October 12th episode of the Um Yeah Sports Podcast. It's your Wednesday evening episode of the show as we continue through the Major League Baseball playoffs. We've got the uh, divisional round underway. Seattle Mariners, first time in the playoffs in quite some time, making it through the wild card round. Congratulations, Mariner fans. I'm Chris, and with me, as always, is John. Hey, listeners, thank you for tuning in. We appreciate you. If you haven't subscribed to the show already, please do that. You can do that by hitting the subscribe button in your favorite podcasting app. Also, this is the podcast. It's like the companion podcast for an online website, umyasports.com, where you can go to get your sports news, analysis, information. Uh, It's not just the stuff from the big sites. We curate down to the local sites, bring you the local storylines, bring you the social media. We bring it all together curate it for you aggregate it stick it there no ads no charge to you we just want you to go there and check it out and get your sports news and information also we're over on twitter at um yeah sports come talk to us we'd uh, love to hear from you we appreciate you john how are you man i'm doing well how are you i am good mariners so they uh they they man they played well yesterday against the houston astros only to see it <laughs> snatched from their hands game one uh, with uh, that that walk off was a home run, yeah, by mm-hmm. the Astros, um, and uh, we got a, what we have another game today. Is that right? Tomorrow, tomorrow. Mm-hmm. Okay, and it's still down in in Houston. It is, is that correct? Mm-hmm. All right. So OBJ not going to be going to LA mm-hmm. this year, or maybe ever, ever. again. Yeah, he, he didn't like the way he was treated. Is that right? There's a story up there on umyasports. dot com about this. I think. Yeah. So basically, he just basically said LA lowballed him. He wanted to go back to LA, but they gave him the minimal, the lowest offer they can possibly give going to next season. And he basically said that's not going to uh, suit him. So he's going to try to find some other place to uh, give his services. He wanted to come back to LA. That was his initial desire. Uh, but once the season ended and the ACL injury happened, they just never gave him the offer that he thought was, uh, that he was deserving of. And he just, now coming out and saying that that's not really where he wants to go. We now know that he's eyeing a mid-November return. And there's plenty of other teams that uh, are in need of his, uh, of of him, of his work. So he'll be able to find a place to go. But that explains why it's been such a long road to, to where we are now, why he hasn't been signed by anybody, why he's been floating out there, why the Rams haven't done anything. It seems like they're in a very similar situation as with the Packers were in, where both those teams lowballed him he decided i'm not going to go to those teams that's why i think the packers are out and now we know that the the rams are out and that is further confirmation that the that the Bay packers do not are that he's not going to want to go to the green bay yeah. packers the Bay packers want him but i don't think that's where he's going to end up going and obviously we don't really know what his thought process is beyond what he's telling us everything else is speculation but that gives us you know a pretty good sense of where he'll end up going. And we know Kansas city's on the top of his list and Baltimore, uh, and so on and Buffalo. But now because the Rams, um, are out of the picture, I think the, the Buffalo bills slide into that top spot, but you know, day over day, we're finding more information about what's going on with, with him and, and his injury and everything like that. But the moment he goes onto the football field for any of these franchises, 
when you get into mid-November, that's crunch time for teams. That's when you need to be winning football games. That's when you need to be holding on to your leads. That's when everything just kind of starts to you know go in the right direction for, for franchises. So if he goes to the Buffalo Bills, that's going to solidify their chances. Baltimore, that could help him make a late playoff push. You know, the Packers... I, I don't really think that's an option, but if they go there, that could also help him with the late playoff push him. Anything, anywhere he goes, he goes at the right time. Now, obviously, he might have a little bit of rush just because of an injury, coming back off the injury, trying to play again. There's always that possibility, but at the same time, I think um, wherever he goes, it will be in desperate need of his services, but it's a huge loss to Ram- uh, to the Rams because right now they're struggling offensively. Uh Allen Robinson hasn't really been able to do a whole lot on offense. Matthew Stafford's getting sacked a lot, throwing interceptions. Cooper Cup is pretty much the the guy there, along with Tyler Higby, who's been able to get a decent amount of catches. But they need a spark on that offense, and I think OBJ would have been that guy had they given a reasonable offer. Now, granted, they need to be able to watch their cap space because they are paying by Wagner. They are paying their uh, head coach and their GM, just signed them to new deals as well. So they're throwing money out quite a bit here. And then Allen Robinson obviously need to get paid as well with that deal. So they've got their money tied up quite a bit. So that's not really a- an option here. So they couldn't really afford to pay him a great deal of money because of what they did before any sort of deal could come out. So that's going to be a little bit of an issue, but I think that's a huge loss for the Rams. And if he goes to the Buffalo Bills or one of these other franchises, then that's going to be, I think he tips the scales for any team that he goes into. If he goes with Kansas City, he tips the scales there. If he goes to the Buffalo Bills, he tips the scale there. So at that point, I think predictions will change mightily whenever he signs. But that's the storyline that we'll be having to watch for uh, another month before we get a final answer. But if I had to guess, you know, where he would end up going, I would say Buffalo because it seems like Vaughn Miller has a yeah. pretty big hand in where where he goes and their friendship seems like it's pretty strong. Okay. All right. So the Raiders, they lost to the Denver Broncos on Monday night. Isn't that right? They lost to the Broncos. Yep. Yep. No, wait. No, they lost the Chiefs. Oh, they, that's right. It the was Chiefs. the Chiefs. It was, the, Bronco, that's it was right. the Broncos a little while ago. What do the Raiders need to get better? They need to – well, so I watched the last three games, the Broncos game, the Chiefs game, and then the Titans game, trying to pull out some similarities, trying to pull out um, their weaknesses and their strong points. In all the games, they struggled with guarding the wide receivers. Devonta Adams pretty much walked all over them. Got a few pass interference calls. Oh, not but Tonta. I'm sorry. He's on the Raiders side. But uh, uh, Travis Kelsey. Travis Kelsey walked all over them and, and and just got four touchdowns and was unstoppable. Literally not being out. No one was able to tackle him. No one was able to stop him. Patrick Holmes was finding Juju, who's able to get a bunch of good completions, move the ball down the field. So they really can't stop wide receivers. And then you look at the Denver Broncos. Same situation. The wide receivers were open. They were moving down the field. That was a strong suit. And then you look at the Tennessee Titans game, exact same situation. Can't guard Robert Woods. He can't guard Traylon Burks. He can't guard the guys that they have. And then they just kind of march on the field. And even the running backs get involved in the passing game. Um, especially you saw that with the Tennessee Titans with Derrick Henry getting quite a few touches. Now with the running game defense, the ability to get to the quarterback a little bit and get to the running back and stop him and trip him up without him getting much yardage was big in both the Broncos game and the Kansas City game, but not as big in the Tennessee Titans game because Ted, uh, Ted, or Derrick Henry and the Tennessee Titans is a completely different animal than the running backs that these other respected franchises have because Derrick Henry obviously has a history of stiff-arming people into into the ground and also just running people over. So that's a different situation, right? Those are the weaknesses that I see. That's maybe a strong point, but also 
sometimes a weakness, right? And then also the pass rush has an ability to get home, but it's just a, it just struggles. And that's the other weakness I saw is that quarterbacks were able to dance in the pocket, step up, and then get out of the pocket and convert it for a first down, get out of the pocket, get some yards, slide, and get the chains moving uh, or just get yardage to get them in a, in a manageable situation. But when they are able to get to the quarterback, they get to the quarterback and they bring him down. Max Crosby is one of the biggest guys that, that is doing that. So that's a, that's a strong point for him. Now, if you look at the Kyler Murray game and you get the same conclusions, you would, or the Arizona game, you notice that Kyler Murray was able to dance around the pocket and get yardage just by running back and forth because the pocket, their defense is not going to just collapse in the pocket. They don't collapse in a way where it's just falling down the quarterback. They collapse in a way that only certain parts of it are collapsing where it's easy to step up and get through. And that explains at the end of the game why they ended up losing. I think in a lot of ways they mentioned how they need to learn how, when to be aggressive and when not to be aggressive. And that's something Derek Carr needs to work on not to throw interceptions. But defensively, they need to get to the quarterback with Chandler Jones and Max Crosby. That has to be something you're able to do because you have some of the best pass rushers in the NFL. That's something that should happen consistently and guys should not be getting away from you. That's that's one of your weaknesses. You have to stop now. Getting the running backs down on the ground and getting fumbles, those are things that we saw them do really well, especially in the last few games. Positive. But at the same time, you got to be able to guard the wide receivers and make sure they can't just literally walk all over you and get yards, move down the field, move down the field, move down the field. And even though you're stopping the running back, you're not backing it up with secondary with the secondary doing anything and then it doesn't even really matter because now they're yes they're one one dimensional but they're using that one dimension in a powerful way to be able to beat you you can't let that happen because that's what happened at the end of the game where they just let Travis Kelsey just rack up the yards and get a bunch of touchdowns and end up beating them even though they had a very comfortable lead to begin with now also on offense a bright point is Josh Jacobs now I don't know about your fantasy league I don't know how big your fantasy league is but if Josh Jacobs is available by some chance, or if you're able to prime away through trade, I would do it because he was dealt a lot of punishment in these games. But he bounced off guys. He got a bunch of yards. He was physical. He had his legs turning. He did everything possible to get a ton of yards and just get things going. Was a strong point on this offense and just kind of get got the wheels turning a little bit. Got things going. Got things going. Got things going. And I think he was probably the bright point on this offense. Uh, I think he did really, really well, um, and I think in a lot of ways, all that talk at the beginning of the season, all the hype about will he stay on the team, is he going to be going somewhere, probably not the most wisest thing for the media to be talking about because it's pretty obvious that the Raiders need him. Now, if you look at the wide receivers and you look at the offensive line, for Derek Carr, it wasn't all that great. I mean, Derek Carr struggled. He's been struggling with interceptions throughout the uh, last few seasons. Yes, that's an obvious one. Um, getting sacked quite a bit by Chandler Jones getting there and, and getting that sack, even though it was called back for roughing the passive call, which is very questionable. Uh, Devontae Adams did a good job of getting some pass interference calls and making some good completions and running away from defenders. Those are all big positives that they could build on and, and grow on and, and keep going on. But I'd like to see a little bit more from Darren Waller. Darren Waller has done pretty much nothing. Yeah, I get he was injured in the Kansas City game, but he still felt like he was kind of just a non-factor throughout the last few games of the season. So they need to work on that. Uh, and I also think just building this offense, because Devontae Adams is good, but I feel like these other wide receivers haven't been getting the, the touches that they normally get. Hunter Renfro, Darren Waller, these guys that made the name for themselves. Now Devontae Adams is there, and 
he at times he does well and at times he, he can make good plays and they can build on stuff there, but they needed to be distributing the wealth better. And offense office since the line needs to do a little bit better, giving him more time back there. When he has time, he can make accurate passes, but when he doesn't, there's all these little check out check downs and those don't really turn into anything. And, and then they just kind of spiral out of control. And you saw that also at the end of the Tennessee Titans game where they struggled with making completions at the goal line, bounce off Darren Waller's hands and interception uh, finished out the game. So you and it's just those situations. But if they're able to run away with a game, they start to be able to play a little bit better defense and play a stopping defense. And that's how they beat the both the Broncos and they were able to beat the Kansas City or um and then they almost beat the Kansas City Chiefs, but lost by I think like one point, which is kind of a heartbreak. But those are the things that when you really look at it that I, I think but those are the things you need to work on. You need to have better defense, better job collapsing the pocket, because it's not just about collapsing the pocket, it's about doing it in a strategic way where you're getting to the quarterback and collapsing it around him. Keep going with the running attack. Make sure you kind of get the guys on the ground. Make sure they can't really get things going. Fumbles, recoveries, those happen a lot in the Broncos game. We saw the Melvin Gordon, which is a reason why they have a little bit less trust with them. But then also you got to work on the secondary. they got to be able to guard their guys. They can't have guys running away from them. They need to be on their guys. They need to be stopping guys from getting everywhere. And mobile quarterbacks cannot be able to just dance and leave the pocket. And then if you're... And then on offense, you've got to work on just getting everyone involved and getting and getting Derek Carr and Devontae Adams on the same page because there was multiple times there was aired passes and it just kind of flew and, and just missed missed the mark. And you got to work on that. And you got to make sure that's in sync. If you're able to do that, this team is talented enough to get you to the playoffs and get you all the way to po- possibly the Super Bowl, regardless how good this AFC is. But you're also going to turn all this stuff around rather quick to get the momentum that you need to get into the playoffs because NFL is a very much a momentum sport. But those are the things that I was watching it. Those are the things I saw. So I think the Raiders don't really need to work on a, being more aggressive, laying off and laying on. I think it's defensively. You start there, you get the defense to shut down uh, offenses, and then you can use the running game and the, and the, uh, and the throwing game will open up from there. All right, so I think that the NFL is um, playing more international games this year than years prior right yep um this is heading somewhere maybe there there's uh, some speculation out there that the NFL may be looking to add an international division to the league what do you think about that yeah so when they were doing the London game yeah I believe it was Roger Goodell um was doing a press conference and he was just asked like Will we will this will we be able to get a franchise because we have soccer stadiums that can be converted? We've seen that they're playing at these stadiums. You know they they can do that. We saw with the XFL a little bit. So we've seen situations where soccer stadiums turn into NFL uh, football fields and, and yeah. vice versa. So he's asking, can, you know, can we get a division, not only a team? Because we'd asking for that. He goes, I think that's where we're kind of heading. That's what we're doing here. Can the London, can Europe handle a football team, and can that turn into a fourteen division? And he said that's why we're playing these games abroad to see what the market looks like from the fan bases and all that and how the reception of it is. So it sounds like in the near future, we could get another division added to football and that division would be a four team division, obviously, but not in America, but abroad and, and Europe would have not just one, but two of those, of those teams being so able to have, play. Wait a second. So you're saying they'd have two divisions in Europe? Or no, one? two teams, two teams in that division. So there'd be a new division yeah. that would not be all European. Or, no, it's just an international division. Okay, so, but it'll all be international. So you might have a Mexico City. Yeah, that's why they're doing it everywhere. They're trying to figure out what the mar- what the reception is in each, in, in each place. Because they're okay. doing a Mexico game. They're doing a German Germany game, Seattle versus 
Tampa, and then they're doing a few more London games before the year is over. So yeah, they'd have to work it out, it out to where like two the two divisions like because usually they're you know your division you'll play all your teams in your division and then you'll have right. another division. They might have to do two divisions to get to perfectly. Or, work or out. they'll just have to like work out the schedule so that when a team goes over from the you know from the U.S. from North America to Europe, they could stay over there play a couple games. And vice versa, right? right? And I also like wonder how that would work. How would you build that franchise? I, I don't know. That'd be a pool. Yeah, of it's very interesting. They've always, they, I mean, they've been trying to hit the international market for a long time. Uh, there used to be NFL Europe. Um, you know, they've been playing these games, these you know, like regular, like exhibition games exhibition, first. Yeah. We've also got the you know the regular season games that they're playing that actually count. Um, so they've been flirting with this, playing with this, trying this for some time now, and I, I think it still remains to be seen whether. American football can sustain in Europe. Um, I don't remember exactly what happened with the NFL Europe League. I know that the intent there, this wasn't part of the core NFL. It was sort of a spring league kind of deal where players could go and mature and, you know, and then ultimately move to the official NFL. Um, so, you know, the difference here is that this would be true NFL product uh, week in and, and week out during NFL core time, right? Right. So I, I think also if they're able to do this, I mean, it, the I think I saw at the beginning of the season when they first announced they were doing the national, international games, I think and I could be wrong, but I, I think I remember this. They said that there's like when people were trying to load in to get the tickets, it said that there was a million people in front of you to try to get a ticket to okay. one of these uh, international games. Yeah. So the market is huge. Is that real? Outside the NFL. I wonder. I saw multiple reports that backed that up. Okay. That some, I think it was international to get that because there's so few of them. Right, sure. That there's only like six a year. So, out of so many games, there's only a couple. So, there's it seems like and all the games that they go to, you look around the stadium, they're all sold out. So they they're doing a good job of getting the you know international markets done. So I think it'd be interesting to see if they would go down that path of expanding to you know do another market, and it'd be interesting to see what those teams would be and how they would be built and all that. And that would be a new chapter to the NFL Indeed for the first it. time in a while. Indeed it would. Um, Kenny Pickett seems like he's now going to be the, the guy in Pittsburgh. Yeah. Um, what's the deal? Yeah, I think he's done a tremendous job uh, at, at the quarterback position yeah. for this franchise. I think this franchise has so many great players, excuse me, so many great players, but no cohesion of those players. Okay. Their wide receivers, namely George Pickens, is being able to catch all the balls that are thrown at him. But so many of these players, uh, Dante Johnson, Chase Claypool, and Juju, when he was on the team, were plagued with drops. They just dropped everything that was thrown at them. You watched them in the playoffs, and they fell extremely flat against the Kansas City Chiefs. Even though they got in, they were pretty much forgotten at, at the exact moment the game started. Throughout the regular season, same issue. Big Ben struggled with all that. Now he's gone. Now Kenny Pickett steps in. They got Najee Harris. You got George Pickens. You got TJ Watt. You got Cam Hayward on the defensive line. And you got a few, like Mika Fitzpatrick, you got a few good corners on the Steelers team. But overall, it's just they struggled. They saw the, that Josh Allen had three hundred passing over 300 passing yards in the first half alone. He was just slinging it all over the yard, and, and it looked like the Steelers couldn't even keep up. They were trying to, but they only had one interception and a couple good defensive plays, but other than that, it was just a struggle. 
with Kenny Pickett, he does such a good job of like being calm back there, you know, pod collapses, just step out of it, throw it across his body, making accurate passes, but the wide receivers aren't doing enough to catch it. All three of the interceptions that happened against the Jets last week, not the uh, not last week, but a couple weeks ago, were not his fault. All of them were just wide receiver missing it. And then against the Buffalo Bills, he throws one across his body. Deontay Johnson goes up to catch it. It slips right through his fingers. Would have been intercepted. So it's just like these situations happen all the time where he's not having anyone to catch it. Then you have the offensive line situation where they're all so young. Remember that storyline was all over the uh, all over the radio, sports talk radio, about how they're getting a new offensive line. They're building it from scratch. They have a bunch of young guys. That hasn't worked out because Najee Harris can't get started at all. He's trying to run the football, but his way of playing the game is I get the ball. I have yards in front of me. I can get a touchdown. I don't. He doesn't start, get the ball, and and have a Derrick Henry level movement where he can power through you from the first yard. He needs a couple yards to get started, and after that, he's just he could destroy. But the Steelers have an offensive line that can't block, and guys are getting on him in the first couple seconds. And then Tomlin's forced to use his backup more often, ramp up his touches, which is bringing down Najee Harris's fantasy stock. But also his ability as a player isn't being fully used because of the offensive line. And so I fear the same thing with Kenny Pickett because with a bad offensive line, doesn't matter how good you are. With wide receivers that can't catch the football, doesn't matter how good you are. And with a defense that struggles with beating a good AFC team, it doesn't matter how good of a quarterback you are. So I think the wasted talent on this team could be ginormous. I think George Pickens might be the best used player on this entire franchise because he's a wide receiver. And so as a wide receiver, he's going to be making his own catches. He's going to be going against his own guys. It's all, it's kind of just like a miniature solo battle within the entire team game, the wide receiver cornerback battle. And because of that, and because he's been so productive in making any catch you would want him to, and being able to just rack up the yards, A, that brings up fantasy stock, but B, that allows him to have longevity with the Steelers or elsewhere. The problem is Kenny Pickett is a quarterback that's going to be playing behind a struggling offense line. Russell Wilson was a key example of that, where you can't get things done like that. It doesn't matter how much raw talent or talent you have. Najee Harris can't get anything started because there's a very few running backs that actually can do that without a good offensive line. Marshall Lynch, A, and B, Derrick Henry. Um, And he, he, I think, could be along with those guys, but he needs more time. And then defensively, you got a few good defensive pieces, but not enough to be able to stop a really good offense like the Buffalo Bills. Now, granted, TJ Watt didn't play in this game, but you need to play way better. So I think Kenny Pickett and these guys, I don't know if they play on this team past their rookie deal unless things majorly turn around and they you know, invest in a brand-new offensive line and they, and they try to build things defensively and offensively as far as offensive lines. Offense is fine to help these players that they invested draft capital in. And this team could be so good with the players that they have and how raw talent they are and all the players they've invested in. The problem is, are they doing everything that's necessary to make sure they are consistently winning games? And at this point, they're not. So even if they have a bad record, I don't care if they finish, you know, they don't want another game the rest of the season. If they're investing that top draft choice into some piece defensively, a cornerback or or defensive end, because there's no way they'll invest the first pick in offensive alignment, but defensive cornerback, someone like that. Or and then in the later rounds they invest in, in the offensive line and they build this, then they're gonna be going somewhere. But if they don't play their cards right, they could lose all of this and this team would be just a blip on the screen of the Steelers history, but one of the best if they had put it all together in the proper fashion because they have all the star power necessary to have a great season. So this season, I think they should just chalk up to whatever positives they can pull from it. 
and then wait till the draft to try to fix things up and free agency and see what they are able to do. But if they do this correctly, this team could be one of the best in the National Football League. All right. Well, before we get out of here, uh, any comments on the Mariners' loss to the Astros yesterday? Uh, other than it's devastating, probably not. But because okay. I think what it one thing it did was it proved Robbie Ray should not be pitching against the Astros. He has a terrible record against him. Good pitcher, just terrible record against the Astros. B, this team can be beat. The Mariners are one of the most talented teams. I mean, I knew that because in the playoffs, but they can beat the Astros. And the only reason they were that they're not closer and in in, in um in record is because they were the Mariners took a little while to mature to the point where right. they're at now. The Astros just got there immediately because they're way um, a lot more veteran guys yeah. that have been playing there. So I think there's a there's less of discrepancy than people previously thought, and I think that's something that the Mariners answered and said. We're not as bad as you think we are based off our record, and we have a chance to actually beat this squad. But also, pitching is going to be a huge thing for the Mariners, and I think they've got the perfect bullpen to end up winning this. Uh, if they win the next game, that's going to be a cat fight or a dog fight to the finish line. But if they lose the next game, then it's going to be a little bit of a little more of a mental battle for the yeah. Mariners to come back into it because they're going to start sliding a little bit. But it will also tell you who the leader of this franchise is if they're able to figure out a way to turn around at that point. Yeah. But we've seen from the Blue Jays sweeping them, ton of momentum, tons of really good play, playing really good through the first nine innings. They had two outs and then that beautiful hit that ended up losing them the game. But honestly, that's the way um, ba- um, baseball is. And, and at any point... Things can change. So I think there's a lot of positives. But I think the, um, the next game tomorrow, yeah. which I think is at 3.30 our time, which is mountain time. Central. So central time and then calculations. But I think it's going to be really uh, a lot of positives if they're able to win. And then they'll go to um, to their home field and they'll play. And then after that, it's just kind of bang, bang. I'm pretty sure three, four, and five, if they have to play those games, we'll all be back to back. Yeah. And four and five, if those games happen, four will be in Seattle. Five will be back in Houston, so and they're on the next day, so you don't get a layover day to you know yeah. adjust the time zones. You're right. flying over and you're flying back. Yeah. So I think a lot of positives came from that. Obviously a heartbreaker, but hey, it's baseball, and I'm excited that the Mariners are back. Indeed. Well, the Astros certainly have a lot of experience in the uh, in the playoffs. Oh yeah. With, oh yeah. Know, in the last decade or so, five ten years, and Seattle has not. So <laughs> not 21 years. Yeah. We'll get there. Cool. Very good. Well, off we go. Thank you for uh, chilling, talking some sports. Listeners, thank you for listening. We appreciate you. Uh, Again, please do subscribe. Share the podcast with your friends and family that are interested. Hit that website. All right. Have a good night. We will see you soon. See you. God bless.